Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush, rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Good morning everyone and welcome to another show of My Radio. And this week's guest is Kyla Lieberg. um, And she is the originator of Truckers Against Trafficking. Uh, Kayla, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am very happy to be here. Uh, We're so happy to have you because what you do is truly getting the attention of something that is so important. You're an activist for human trafficking. Tell us a little bit how you just fell into this, because I can imagine that you didn't think at 20, this is what I'm going to do. Right, no. Um, <laughs> my mom actually sent, I've got uh, three other sisters, and then my mom, and she sent us this book, Not for Sale by David Batstone, and I had heard a little bit here and there about human trafficking or something, but I wasn't making really any connections. And so she sent us this book and she said, read it. And I know you don't know my mom, but if she tells you to do something, we all, you know, you just do it. So we all read the book and it was just a a really nice overview of global and domestic trafficking, both labor and sex trafficking. And we all read it and we were all horrified. So because we live in different states, we had a um, conference call, and from that conference call, we decided that we were going to really take on the issue of human trafficking, that we couldn't just not respond to it. Um, so we started an organization, Chapter 61 Ministries, um, to really just sort of fight human exploitation and um, to learn more about human trafficking and then address it in any way that we could, um, having full-time jobs and having families and things of that nature, what could we do as the average person um, in the United States or, or wherever. So um, one of my sisters, Candice, who's now our executive director of, of CAT, um, she put on Human Trafficking Awareness Conference in Denver. We all flew up to Denver for that conference, and one of the breakout sessions I attended uh, was talking about um, trying to train 
gas station attendants in the science of human trafficking because uh, as they're transporting people, they would have to uh, stop for gas, let the people go to the bathroom, things of this nature. And so there would be real power in training those gas station attendants on those signs. And I thought that that was a fabulous idea, really fantastic, something practical that I could get my mind around. So I ran back to my mom because she and I are both in Oklahoma, and I was like, Mom, we got to do something like this. And she's like, she had just read an article about the FBI having conducted national raids at truck stops and rest areas, and they had recovered girls as young as 11 that were being prostituted. And she said, if we do that, we need to really think about truck stops and rest areas and the truckers because I think the trucking industry could respond. And really that is how TAT was born was sort of out of that concept and what my mom had read about the FBI. And so we decided we were going to focus on the trucking industry and really get in there and educate and empower and equip and, you know, mobilize the trucking industry to look for the signs of human trafficking and to make that call if they saw something suspicious. And are most gas station attendees receptive to a training like that? Well, we did not uh, do that. We focused heavily on the trucking industry, and we found out through our studies that there's like 9 million people in the trucking industry altogether, so we've got our hands full with just that. But I, do I can know, imagine. Yeah, I do know that the guy in Colorado that had done the breakout session, he was working um, in a couple of states to try to do that. And, you know, it's really hard, same as, uh, within the trucking industry, you've got different owners. You've got corporations that run the travel plazas and truck stops, and then you have independent owners. And to try to reach all of those, that will take years and years and years um, sort of getting in with them, explaining the concept, um, them feeling comfortable with the uh, material and the information and coming on board with us. But I would think the same thing with the gas station attendants. Some of them are going to be gung-ho and absolutely get on board with it, and then others are going to be very hesitant um, with that information. Why, why the hesitation? Well, I think that there's always that idea that, you know, they're running a business, and many times there's the thought that if they're talking about human trafficking, they're admitting that it is happening at their business, and that's bad for business. And so really the concept should be, and, and that's a paradigm shift, the concept should be, you know, you're taking a proactive response. You're not admitting that that happens, but you're taking a proactive response as a human being, you know, to stand up and say, we're going to protect against this. We're going to, you know, use our business as a educational site, perhaps, um, to really um, dispatch this information to people. But yeah, there's, there's always hesitation with a lot of people. I mean, I've, I've met individuals that are like, I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know because if I know, I'll have to change what I do or I'll have to think about things differently. And there's there are people that just sort of rebuff the idea altogether. So it's just that steady, slow stream of information, just sticking with it, being determined, being persistent. And it breaks down even the, the strongest of walls and the strongest of doors, you know, to get to people's hearts about it. Of course. And, and another question I have about the truckers, though, aren't some of the truckers involved? And is that why they would hesitate to begin with? Right. Well, um, I think that in the trucking industry, obviously, there has been truck stop prostitution um, for time in turn. You know, I mean, there, there's definitely been sort of this 
culture on the lot that there were women, there's a party row, they have their own lingo for it and things of that nature. So obviously there were people that were buying um, sex and that's why it was a perfect breeding ground for human traffickers because they could, they knew they had clients there. Um, when we first came up with the concept of Truckers Against Trafficking, you know, we did have some people that were naysayers that said, oh, well, the truckers are the ones buying it, the truckers are the problem. But we believed from the very beginning that while there were some uh, that were buying sex and that there were some that were doing that, that most of them, if they knew that those people were not out there by choice, if they knew the backstories on even the older ones um, that are out there still uh, being prostituted or prostituting themselves, that there would be a light bulb turned on that it would really shift their view of those women and shift their view of those kids and they would stand up for them. And that is exactly what we have found. You know, our, I'm not worried about the one buying. I'm worried about the nine trucks who walked past to get to that, that one that's buying. Those sure. nine can make that call. Those nine can make the difference. Those nine can put pressure on that one buying. And the nine are my audience. True, absolutely. I have, a, I have a question with the training. How did you get that DVD together? It's a DVD, right? Yes. Um, I Empathize is a group, a fantastic nonprofit that uses media and the arts to raise awareness about human trafficking. And they do both a domestic and a global project. And I know they've worked in Russia and Mexico and other areas. And um, our executive director, Kindis, met with Brad Riley, who is the president and CEO of I Empathize, and told him about CAT and told him about what we were doing. And I Empathize took it before their board, and they decided to adopt Truckers Against Trafficking as their domestic project. And they are one of our greatest partners. They are fantastic. So they created that video for us free of charge. Um, and that video has been seen by thousands of members of the trucking industry, and it is available on our website, you could just watch it straight from there, or we also have DVDs that we send out to trucking schools and uh, trucking companies and uh, Travel Plaza management so that they can show it to all of their employees. So uh, I empathize is wonderful. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah. when you say 9 billion truckers in the industry, are you talking about uh, the U.S. only, or are you talking about North America or the world? That's, that's the U.S. Um, and that's US. all the trucking industry, about 2.5 million drivers, and then uh, the rest are in support, uh, whether that's in the travel clauses slash truck stops or the trucking schools with the trucking companies or all of, I mean, there's so many logistical things. It's its own world. The trucking industry is definitely its own world. They have their own radio shows, their own publications, their own, um, you know, food supply and restaurants. There's just, it's, it's a fabulous world that I did not know existed before 2009, let me just say that, and I have more respect for them every single day. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that's a total different world. Um, I do not know much about this world, <laughs> I gotta honestly <laughs> say, but um, I'm passionate about human trafficking. Tell me for a second, because for our listeners out there, how... How in the heck, first of all, someone gets abducted? I understand that it's way easier than we think. I've read cases. It's a child walking home from school. It can be an adult just being somewhere. You're abducted very easily. 
But then how from there do you get into this rink of human trafficking? How, how once you're taken, what happens afterwards? Well, there's a lot of, I just, I'll go to the TVPA. The TVPA is our national, our, our federal law against human trafficking, and they're going to have it split up into sort of four quadrants. You've got your global and domestic, and then you've got your labor and sex. So you can have global sex trafficking, global labor trafficking, domestic labor trafficking, and domestic sex trafficking. Um, and there's other types of trafficking as well, but those are your four sort of major quadrants. And okay. in that, there's abduction is one of the ways, but much more common is sort of the coercion factor and the fraud. Um, there's a lot of that used where people are um, tricked into believing that they're either going to be given a job or love or education or security. And so they come to the trafficker almost willingly because they think that something else is awaiting them. And then what ends up happening either in those cases, the bait-and-switch model or the abduction model or the runaway and I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to provide for your basic needs, but now you owe me, um, you do have uh, many times the components of force, fraud, or coercion, and that's also the language used in the, in the federal law. Um, force can be beatings, they can be rapes, they can be uh, torture, they can be... Um, uh, physical threats against your family members, against yourself, um, branding, things of that nature. You have the fraud, which, like I said, is the promise of love, the promise of security, the promise of a job, the promise of education. Um, and then you can have the coercion, which is probably the most difficult to define, but the most powerful one. And that is where they're using those threats, where they are um, completely manipulating every move that you make so that you, you almost can't think for yourself anymore. You, you don't know what to do, where to go, because they've got such a power over your mind. And so in the case of um, Sherry and her cousin from our video on our website, mm -hmm. um, they were actually physically abducted. They were kidnapped. Um, they got in the car with a guy. Um, it, it, their story is really interesting, the backstory on it. The trafficker was actually paying a kid at their high school to find girls who wouldn't be missed, meaning rougher girls, uh, girls that already had maybe um, fights on their school record or uh, would be like good runaway material that people would, that the cops would assume they ran away. And so this boy at their school is actually taking pictures and gathering information and then being paid by the trafficker, he would give that information to them. So when he pulled up alongside Sherry and her cousin, he knew all of this stuff about them. And so they thought, oh, he knows people from our school. Like, they thought he knew their family because he knew so much about them. So they got in the car with him, and then he took them to the house, and there was physical abuse. Um, he used them against each other. He separated them right off, told them straight out, you're going to be sleeping with men for money. I'm going to keep the money. This is what your life is. And when they refused to do something, he beat the other one. So when her cousin wouldn't strip, because they were teaching her how to strip, they, when she would refuse to do it, they'd beat Sherry um, until she would break down and just do it. And the same thing when they turned Sherry out on the lot uh, to, to, to proposition the truckers, they had her cousin in the car, and they said, we're going to kill her if any of these truckers complain. So you better be smiling, you better act like you like it. 
and things of that nature. So in their case, drugs were not used, but abuse was, and then the threats and the coercion, and they were scared that they knew where their family lived and things of that nature. Other times it is drug use where they will get them hooked on something, um, either through, hey, let's party, or like straight, I'm holding you down and I'm pumping pills into your body or I'm injecting you with something so that you are much more easily manipulated and you're also, you become an addict, an addict, and nobody's going to be sympathetic to the addict, which plays into the trafficker's favor greatly, as you can imagine, because nobody's going to defend this girl that's an addict out on the streets. You know, they're going to look at her as messed up and this is her own problem, but really she's got somebody sort of manipulating that from the back. And those are the types of things that that allow you to get pulled into that, that sort of... Um, compel the, the human trafficking. But how come in, in the general consensus, when, when I try to ask people, you know, just basic people like myself, you know, they say human trafficking really doesn't happen to American women. They, they think it's foreign women. And, and basically by the story you're telling, these are not always foreign women, right? Right. No, our, our two cousins are from Ohio, from, um, uh, yeah, they were from Toledo, and uh, 100,000 kids in the U.S. are at risk for sexual exploitation in this country, uh, the commercial sex industry, I should say, either stripping or massage parlors or um, street prostitution or pornography production and things of that nature. Uh, we like to believe, I think, in this country that it's a foreign issue because then that releases us maybe from a responsibility or it releases us from feeling that maybe our children are unsafe or we are unsafe. Um, but that's just not the case. I mean, if you listen to the FBI agent in our video, he, he talks about how much this is happening. We've just had different names for it in this country. We've called it um, child prostitution, which under federal law does not exist. Child prostitution, anybody under the age of 18 who's being prostituted is a victim of human trafficking that is being compelled by somebody else that is being manipulated and controlled by somebody else, and that's a trafficker. If a 13-year-old cannot consent to having sex with a 25-year-old man, why is it that she's a criminal when she's 13 and being paid to have sex with that same 25-year-old man? It's this thinking that we've got into this idea of the Lolita, this idea of, oh, she must just be a bad person or she must have an issue, but really it's trafficking. And as our state laws change and as the media attention is on it, I think people's mindsets will start to realize, oh, we've had trafficking all along. We still have active trafficking. And as more and more people who are of the middle class also start getting pulled into it, I think it's going to open the eyes. I mean, it's not just the rougher kids, although they're obviously highly vulnerable. It's it's all of our kids. Uh, the Internet Absolutely. is the number one place where they are recruiting from. So Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all of the social media channels, these are all ways that traffickers are sort of getting in there, creating false profiles, luring your children off out of their bedrooms and their living rooms where they have their computers and into this world. It is a sick world. It is, um, there was just a case two weeks ago, mm -hmm. maybe a week ago, where a, a cheerleader at a middle-class suburban high school was trafficking her younger classmate. 
um, because she wanted extra money. And what? So, yeah, so this oh is America's kids. You, you really wonder where our values have gone. When I hear that, I, I, I really don't know what to think. Right. It's, I think that we have become a society that is very selfish. I think we are very focused on what's going to be good for us in the moment. There's uh, definitely an objectification. Um, people talk about the rape culture or the porn culture. I think all of that contributes, you know, but- it, but yeah. Kayla, how, how do you explain? I, I'm, I'm just trying to think back in being in high school. How do you explain that someone in high school, suburban America, actually knows this? I think, you know, there's enough out there and kids are hearing about different things. But I think that there's also just sort of, um, I mean, I, I taught in my high school and I'm not going to say any names or anything. But no, there no, of was, course. There was a, a young lady who was really, really tough, and she had been through quite a bit in her own life, and she was sort of, um, she was a bully. She was, she was tough, and she had this group of girls that were a little bit weaker that very much looked up to her, and she would make comments like, I could pimp these girls out and be making big money. The the thought, I think it comes to control. I think it comes to greed. I think it comes down to selfishness. And this concept of we've cheapened sex to the point where, well, I might as well make some cash off of it. Or, well, I need those new shoes. So I'm a, and I don't want to do it. So I'll get that girl to do it. Or I'll, I'll make sure, you know, that sort of, I, I, I don't think that that's a common thought across American youth right now, and I hope that it never is. But I do think that we're moving that way with some of the fringe kids. I think we're definitely moving that way um, in society that we're making it more acceptable to degrade ourselves, like objectify ourselves. We're not seeing ourselves as what we should be, maybe. So it's easier to fall into that. How, are there many female traffickers? Because I obviously, in my head, I think there are none, but there must be because you there just mentioned There are female that. traffickers. There are female traffickers. There was also a case where a mother, uh, several cases where mothers are selling their daughters, um, either for extra money or for drugs or for things of that nature. So there, there are female traffickers. There's also um, a, a phenomenon that occurs... Uh, and you can imagine, I mean, I, I, I totally understand it on one level. Um, if you've been trafficked and you yes. are having, you're being raped, uh, like in a sex trafficking situation, and you're being raped 15 or more times a day. If you see you're out as moving up, quote unquote, in the business end, and now all you have to do is sort of traffic other girls, and then you're now in a safer position because you're not being raped anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that sort of need for self-preservation that sometimes takes place. So that that happens as well sometimes. Um, but I do think that women are susceptible to the same level of greed as men are. Um, yes, they Your heart's are. not right and you are selfishly motivated. I think that women can be corrupted just as easily as men can. So there are female traffickers. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I have a question about state to state. So what what are the laws in place in the United States in the sense 
that are all the the laws of human trafficking the state the same state per state or are there still differences on the laws yeah um the federal law obviously encompasses everybody however the state laws are still catching up i mean you've got some states that have some really solid laws on the books and then you have states that have added in like really interesting I, I, what i would say is the anti-human trafficking movement is ever evolving i think that you get a law on the books that says, hey, we're going to treat this not as child prostitution, but by human trafficking. We're going to align our language to the federal law. So you're like, oh, good, good, good. But then another thing starts to pop up and you say, well, what happens to the, these girls' records if they were arrested four or five times for prostitution? Uh, do we clear their records or not? And so now there's a big movement across the country um, in a bunch of different states for like a safe harbor law, basically, that will expunge the records for women that were trafficked. You know, why should they have prostitution? Why should they have to register as a sex offender if they were actually victims of human trafficking? So then that's a big push. And then you have others that have stiffer penalties. And then you have, um, you know, my sister... My older sister prosecutes uh, trafficking cases down in, in Texas, and she's gotten life sentences without parole for some traffickers. But then there's other states that it's a slap on the wrist, and it's two years, you know, and they'll be out before a full year even. And you're just like, well, we've got to sort of toughen up and make sort of standard the consequences because I think that that will act as a deterrent not for all traffickers, but I do think for some when you've got that boy in high school or that girl in high school that wants to traffic a classmate, if they know that they're going to be facing 50 years in prison, they might rethink that. You know, um, now obviously your your big multinational criminal rings, um, organized crime rings, they're probably not going to be deterred. But, um, you know, I think we need to make punishments I think we need to make the risk factor so much more uh, greater, so much greater than the reward of, of mm-hmm. trafficking. So states are states are learning, and with the anti-human trafficking coalitions in the different states, I think the really strong, motivated ones really exert a lot of pressure on their legislators, and um, you're starting to see some really solid state laws. But yes, they vary state to state. Okay. Well, but I, you know, when you were just mentioning this, my, my question is always, this wouldn't exist if there wasn't such a demand. And exactly. having having you on the show, I started trying to look at statistics. There are not many I could find beyond 2007, but they keep saying that every year it grows the demand, and you almost wonder why. I think so, that... The demand continues to grow because we've normalized it. I mean, honestly, we've normalized buying sex, uh, whether in the form of something that we say, well, that's not bad, uh, like going to a strip club and buying a lap dance or going to a massage parlor that has that quote-unquote happy ending, even though, I mean, statistically it shows that a lot of those women and girls are trafficking victims themselves that are that are in that life, but... Um, I think that we've normalized it, and I think that when you normalize it and you say it's acceptable and you say it's okay, and, well, that's just boys being boys, and you dismiss those types of things, um, 
I think that the demand's only going to grow. I think we need men standing up to other men and saying this is unacceptable. I think we need laws that definitely flip it on the buyers. Um, right now, if you're in like, in a, let's just take a street prostitution scenario, almost always the woman is arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, typically the guy gets one or two days and maybe gets the out of, you know, taking a class and then he doesn't have to serve any jail time and nobody needs to know about it. And the traffickers really know where to be seen. So the person, the, the two people sort of perpetrating this and keeping it going and the exploitation of this woman going, they sort of escape any consequences. Meanwhile, she is arrested. She has things on her record. She's treated as a criminal. And then she's back out on the street under the power, once again, of her trafficker, of her pimp, and forced right back into that life. I mean, nobody's really looking at those types of things. I mean, I personally advocate for um, more of the Nordic model where she would not be criminalized, the selling would not be criminalized, but the buying would, that your buyers are going to have a stiff penalty and they're going to be in jail, um, and that anybody that's caught trafficking would be really, uh, really put away because that's, that's just evil exploitation there. So I think that you would have less of that. But the demand side, and and once again, as I said, the anti-human trafficking movement is definitely ever-evolving, and now there is a big shift to demand. And part of what CAT does is sort of tries to get in there and talk about that demand piece. Um, It's sort of an innovative approach of let's look at these females differently. Let's look at these kids out there. And there are boys that are being prostituted as well. Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's look at these people differently. Let's look at them as victims, humans deserving of compassion and help instead of your derision, instead of your judgment, instead of your um, need, quote-unquote, for uh, sex or whatever. Let's look at these people as exploited children and women who need somebody to stand in the gap for them, who need somebody to make that call for them. And as you start to view them that way, it's really hard to use somebody that you actually sympathize with. It's really hard to use somebody that looks like your daughter now. Um, it's, it's hard to exploit and buy what you know is somebody that's hurting, you know, and, and that's, that's, we're just trying to humanize these people, um, who have been traditionally dismissed, uh, definitely degraded, definitely viewed as lesser, um, as animals or trash or, you know, any of those common terms that we use for, uh, prosecuted women in our society, and and that's just wrong. And, you know, just sort of changing the language and changing the thought processes, that will help eliminate some of the demand. Um, I think that when you go for some of the core issues of the pornography that's out there and so rampant and just sort of that cheapening of the human body and the cheapening of uh, sex, too, it's just a hookup, it's just this, just that, it doesn't matter, I think Mm -hmm. that you can maybe start to get back some of the humanity, like setting that standard. Absolutely. Uh, Unfortunately, we need to go into commercial break, but before we do, uh, I would really like to say your toll-free number, which is 1-888-373-7888, if you are aware of anything going on with human trafficking. We'll be right back after this commercial.
Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even co-worker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. And everyone, we're with Kyla Lieberg, our guest that is the originator of Truckers Against Trafficking. For those of you who haven't joined us yet, uh, this is an incredibly interesting interview. And it really hits home when you're talking, you know. It's uh, everything you said so far makes my skin crawl because it is out there and we can't ignore this problem anymore. And one of my questions to you is, is this problem as big as our drug smuggling problem in the United States? Um, It is the second largest criminal activity in the world right now. Um, Drug trafficking is number one and then human trafficking. Uh, The estimates put it at a $32 billion a year industry. And then arms trafficking is number three. Uh, human trafficking overtook the arms trafficking a few years ago. So it's definitely a growing industry. Um, like I said, the more we view people as commodities that can be bought and sold, whether in the labor industry, you know, um, mm-hmm. hey, we want cheaper products. Well, how do you get those cheaper products? Um, if you've already, you're, you're already using like the cheapest materials or the cheapest um, resources, 
you're going to have to cut costs somewhere. And unfortunately, children and, and adults are being pulled into labor trafficking situations where it is this blatant slave labor um, reminiscent of our African slave trade of old, um, just awful situations. And we've, we've just got to start to view people as people, you know, and as our equals and not say that our material desires outweigh somebody's dignity and humanity. But I loved when you said earlier, we need to start humanizing these people because I, I, when I talk to people, I always hear, yeah, but this won't happen to my children. This cannot happen to my children because right. they're well-educated or they don't have problems. Or um, I even hear people say, well, they looked for it. But in your opinion, this is not true at all, and we really need to change. Would you ever consider coming out with a DVD and training for parents that this can actually happen to them too? Because well, we need um, as much education as the truckers do. Right. I don't know if truckers against trafficking will, but I know that there's a lot of organizations that are working on and, and actually have completed sort of human trafficking 101 resources for parents um, and uh, videos like sort of the common lies that traffickers tell and the common techniques. And I know that a lot of state anti-trafficking coalitions also put on Uh, awareness workshops where they talk about those specific things. So my encouragement to any listener would be, you know, do a basic web search of uh, your local anti-trafficking groups and get in touch with them, get involved with them, see what resources that they have, because those things already do exist out there. And okay. and it can happen to anybody. I was reading an article. I, I try to post a lot of articles on our Facebook page of just okay. different things that are happening. And There were, like, college-educated women that always considered themselves quite savvy, et cetera, that got tricked and forced into uh, a trafficking situation. Um, I think you have well-meaning people that, that check out every angle that they know how to, and they think they're safe, and it just it happens anyway. I, I think that traffickers are smart. Um, in a lot of cases, and they know how to manipulate, and they know how to lie, and they know how to cover their bases, and some of them are so intricate in their lives that they have brochures, they have people answering phones for them so that you call on a random time and you get an office that completely appears legit, you have websites that completely appear legit, offering you a modeling contract, all of these different things, and Boom, and, and we're vulnerable in a way. I mean, yeah, I know most people don't want to admit that we're vulnerable, but we're very right. vulnerable. Right. We all are, and that's why it's really important to learn more, educate yourself. Um, and that would be what I would say for just the average person. That was the first thing we did. You know, we, my family and I, when we started TAT, and TAT's much bigger than us anymore, but when we started, we were just regular people who became impassioned about this topic. And the first thing that we had to do was educate ourselves, research and reading and conferences and really just sort of figuring out what it was, how it looked. I mean, and that's just a constant process, you know, and then finding your niche where you can fit in, where you can make um, a contribution to the fight against it and just getting plugged in. So that, that education and then joining your local coalition and, and seeing how you can 
get involved and protect your children and protect yourself and really start living in a way that is, that has integrity, you know, buying fair trade products. I mean, if you know that three of the top, top products that are heavily child slave labor um, Mm -hmm. producing are coffee, chocolate, and like the Persian rugs. And so buy the coffee that says fair trade, buy the chocolate that says fair trade, buy the rugs that have that fair trade label on them. Now, does it cost more? Yes, but it costs more because they're paying their workers, but it's worth it. I mean, when my daughter wants to just grab a Hershey's bar, I'm like, is it really worth it to you to know that, you know, children are being tortured? She's like, no, we'll get a better chocolate bar. And it costs more, so you get less, you know, because you can't afford to just buy as much as you would. But I'd rather have less and know that as much as humanly possible, I am not contributing to somebody's torture and slavery. Um, And I think that those are just personal choices that we can all make. And if you start with those three, you know, the coffee, the chocolate, and, you know, those rugs, if you have them in your home, that that's your start. You know, that's your start to sort of saying, I'm making a change in my own lifestyle. I'm making conscientious choices here that I, I want to start viewing all people as people and all people as equal. And my lifestyle should not depend on somebody else's suffering, you know? But that's, I mean, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. But sometimes it's really difficult to do for people. I mean, I'm just talking for the people out there that are listening because you don't always know, right? Right. You you don't know when you take that bar for your child or that whatever your child wants, the chocolate. You don't always know where it was made. So... And you don't know the background. And again, that's where awareness comes in and we need more documentaries right. where things are made so that we right. are more knowledgeable. And, and, and I think I we said, do everything Net- to keep that away from American television, of course. Right, right. But Netflix has some great stuff. And like I said, just doing a cursory search of the web, you're going to find lots of resources on fair trade. And I would just say there's like a little $5 book, The Better World Shopper, right yeah. on Amazon.com. It's like 5 bucks, Better World Shopper. And it rates pretty much every company and every product in the in in your grocery store, your cars, everything. And so, what we try to do is shop C or better. Um, they yeah. rate it like a report card, A, B, C, D, F. So we try to shop C or better. And does it always happen? No. Um, you just do the best that you can. But it's just making those choices, and it's uh, the information's out there. And I wouldn't say don't try to do it all overnight because I think you'll burn out just like in anything. But just start to introduce these concepts into your life little by little. But I would learn first about human trafficking. Just learn about it. That I think when you learn about it, it cannot help but affect who you are and your heart and your um, your consciousness. I, I just think that once you know, it's hard to continue to... Pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree totally. <laughs> I'm one of them. And one article I I read, and it shocked me. It shocked me. I'm not from the United States, but I know sports is a big thing in your country. And uh, I've come to like football, even though I still uh-huh. don't understand everything. <laughs> but um, 
it's a social sport. It brings people together. And this morning I went to search a little bit and lo and behold, what do I find? I find a terrible article about even the title was just mind boggling to me. Um, it said Super Bowl is the single largest human trafficking incident in the U.S. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to ask you because that shocks me because I thought, you know, going to a sporting event was safe. Right. And and what I'll tell you is most sporting events, and, and that's it's not just the Super Bowl, it's the World Cup, it's Kentucky Derby, it's a lot, it's any major sports gathering. They're typically mostly attended by men. And when men are around um, a lot of other men and there's this, this sort of party atmosphere or whatever, um, traffickers know that that's where they can step in and start to sell sex, to promote to the buying of sex and selling sex. And so a lot of girls and women and, and boys are being brought in from all across the country, all across the, the world for these events to basically service the attendees of these events. And it's sort of a boon for the traffickers and a nightmare for for the victims. And then, of course, the sports goers, they just think they're having a quote-unquote good time, but, but really it's at somebody's great expense. Um, and so, it's- yeah, major sporting events have been shown to be really bad uh, places for trafficking. But aren't more and more women going to these sporting events? Yes. And I think that if you're going, like, if, if I went with uh, my family members, I don't think that that would be happening. But I also do think that there's a lot of guys that just go together, you know, like, oh, okay. my fraternity guys, let's all just go down here together. You know, Vegas is another place where there's heinous trafficking. Um, they say girls from every state in the country are trafficked into to Vegas. Why? Because Vegas has that reputation of you can get sex, it, you know, what happens here stays here, so go ahead and do what you want. You know, it's sort of this idea that um, it's just sort of an open place to do it, and everybody thinks that it's acceptable and that everybody's a willing participant, but that is not, in fact, the case. So I no. think when you have that sort of mentality that this is just guys night out, um, hey, this is a guy's trip, this is okay to do, um, that's when it happens. But, yeah, as more and more women go, and as more and more women go with their husbands or their boyfriends, I don't think it will be happening with those particular families. I think it will still happen when you've got your lone guy or your group of guys. Wow, amazing. But when you say not a willing participant, I just think for two seconds of all the slut-shaming that we hear around the news. I have a Google alert out on it because I'm a big advocate and activist on bullying. And I just don't even understand. The word no doesn't even mean no anymore. And we're not even talking about human trafficking. We're talking about young men pushing their way into... Uh, a sexual act with a young girl, which is often a minor, um, because of their own pleasure. Right. And most of the girls all answer, but I said no. Right. And I, I myself have heard, unfortunately, adult men repeat this to their sons. No doesn't always mean no to women. Right. Absolutely. And I have no idea how to even just handle that part. How, how do we re-educate that no really means no. 
I think that it's gonna. I think. I think that men play a critical role in this movement, and we need more men standing up. And, and luckily for us, the trucking industry is heavily men, and we have seen some incredible men uh, after they've become educated and stuff to really start to, like, all of those connections are being made in their mind, and they're standing up, and they're taking a firm stance in defense of women and children. Um but I believe that it will come when men are speaking to men. And and that's not to diminish the female voice because I think no, no. that we are powerful and we are strong and we we have many excellent things to say. And I think that there are men that do listen to women. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of men that will not listen to women. They will dismiss us as nagging. They will dismiss us as jealous of these women that they are focused on in a sexual way. They will dismiss us as old-fashioned, whatever, but when men say, not okay, when men say, that's somebody's sister, dude, you know, when men stand up and when men put a stop to it, I think that that is when other men will alter the way they think and they and, and they speak and act, because right now, our society has gotten to the point where, honestly, it's completely acceptable, like you said, to just keep pushing until you just get what you want and their no does not matter anymore. I've had so many students in the last couple of years say that they were raped and it was just in this very nonchalant way by these guys. And then the guys were like, what's your problem? Why are you making such a big deal about it? And it's like, there's just not this sort of connection anymore in seeing these girls as humans and seeing these girls as fully their equals and seeing these girls as, as I don't, I don't even know. Like, I, I don't understand what's happening. Why are men wired like that, though? What, what makes them wired like that? Because every man knows a woman, non-sexual, meaning their daughter, their mother, right. or their sister, right. or a niece, Right? It's not always direct. I mean, it could be through marriage, right? Right. And, I, and they know. I mean, I don't know one man that I've ever spoken to that doesn't know a woman that they love non-sexually. Right. right. And they do anything to protect that person. Right. I agree. But I do think that with more and more of the porn that is so violent towards women okay. and so degrading towards women that we're almost creating in our own minds a subclass that if you're not one of those non-sexual women in my life, like like my mom, like my sister, (laughs) like my grandma, like my teacher, you know what I'm saying, that all of a sudden you get pushed into this other subset that you're here for my pleasure, you're here for whatever I want to do to you, your no doesn't really mean no if it stops me from being what I want to have and that you are somehow lesser um, than my mom, my sister, my good girlfriend that I have. Um, Those people hold in their mind a different position than this other sort of subclass. And, And unfortunately, the subclass has grown from um, just what we deemed socially appropriate, like, oh, the Mm -hmm. prostituted women, that's what they want to be doing, um, which is not true, but that's what they want to be doing, um, to now it's, 
it's any girl that they go out with in, in a lot of cases. And, and, and like I said, I don't think all men are like this. I don't think all boys are thinking like this. I hope we never get to that point where it is everybody, but there's definitely a shift taking place where I feel like our, our girls a lot of times are under attack and there's sort of this fear, you know, I'm talking to these girls in my office and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like this is insane that this is happening. And they're like, well, it happened to like four of my friends too this year. And like, that's just, it's, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And then when they get blamed by the boys mm-hmm. and why are you making a big deal? And why are you trying to hurt me? And why are you, you know, ruining my future by telling people it, it's like, really? You mm-hmm. don't realize what you just did? You know, you raped her, but somehow she's to blame for you getting any consequence whatsoever for that. And that's that's a a crazy shift that I think once again everything goes everything all of these types of things contribute to human trafficking continuing to occur. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me totally sad and almost discouraged, but we'll keep at it, Kayla. So tell me all your information, please, so that for the listeners, they know where to go to, they know your website, and please your Facebook, too. Okay. Um, basically, you can go just type in Truckers Against Trafficking in your browser. We're having some problems with our website URL, but it's truckersagainsttrafficking.org. But if that doesn't pull up for you, just go ahead and type Truckers Against Trafficking to your browser and it'll come up. We're on yeah. Facebook. We're on Twitter. Our Twitter tag is at Pat Kyla. We are on Pinterest. We are on YouTube. Um, if you just did like a basic web search of us, we occupy quite a number of pages out there. Um, a lot of good articles about what truckers are doing. And, and while the information is discouraging and overwhelming sometimes, what I will say is, There are so many people standing up now. There are so many people making those calls into the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which I'll I'll repeat again, the 1-888-3737-888. There's just so much great movement taking place, and lives are being changed, and people are being rescued out of this. And with more and more people becoming aware of fair trade and doing things, There are radical changes occurring around the world and within this country um, so that people are less and less exploited. And it's it's exciting to see that. I think that all of us can play a part in it. And the more of us that get involved, the faster those really fantastic changes will take place. Now, that gives me courage when you say that, because um, if more and more of us really do help and become proactive, Uh, we can actually make a change in other people's lives. Absolutely. There's more of us than there are of them. That is what I, I, I 100% believe that. Just like with the trucking industry, there are more good truckers than there are bad truckers. There are more good people in this country and around the world than there are exploiters. So we just Absolutely. Have to, we just need to, you know, band don't, together to make that don't, change. Don't we need to believe that we are, every human being can make that difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who am I? I am just a random person. I'm a random person who became impassioned about this concept and have, and and I love what I get to do. Like, don't give me, I love what I get to do. And it's not tiring or wearying. It's, it's invigorating. It's exciting to be a part of this. It's exciting to, 
you know, bring about some change and to make changes in my own personal life and as well as in, in other people's lives. It's, it's one of the best things that you can do. So I would just encourage every listener to just really learn more and then plug in, plug in with your gifts, your talents. There's tattoo artists that that use their skills to remove uh, branding tattoos off of trafficking victims. There's artists that uh, create beautiful portraits of survivors. There are dentists that provide their services. Whatever you can do, you can make a difference. Fantastic, Kyla. I thank you so much for being on the show. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I wish we had at least an hour or more because I have much more questions for you. But we'll have to have you back on the show, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, and keep going, and I'll do what I can on my side to make sure that people are aware. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And bye, everyone, for the Mind Radio Show. We'll be back next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. And until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.